Welcome back to Sense and Spirituality. My name is Sheila McGregor, and it is good to be back with you again after a week's study leave. As you know, over the past few months, our church family at Siloam has been engaged in a dialogue around becoming an affirming congregation. In last week's message, Lynn McClary, who is the chair of our Affirm Ministry Committee, gave us an excellent introduction to what Affirm is all about. She reminded us that Affirm is not a one-issue program. It's about intentionally living the loving and inclusive life Christ calls us to live, one in which all people are affirmed, regardless of their color, race, creed, gender, age, size, sexual orientation, ability, or social or economic status. To date, we have touched upon only a few of these themes, racism, same-sex relations, transphobia, and discrimination against people of different abilities. Last month, Alison O'Connor gave us a wonderful message in worship based on her long experience as both a mother and a teacher of those with different abilities. The Dreams Come True concert, which is happening tonight at Siloam, is a testimony to Alison's belief that everything is possible. I hope you will plan to attend. In order to learn what scripture has to say about these issues, we have also sought over the months to place them within their biblical context. Today we consider the question of misogyny. In particular, we look at the women around Jesus. But let's start first with our current day. I always remember a disturbing conversation some of us had with Kate Graham, who a few years ago was running for office. She was speaking to us on the subject of women in leadership roles. She recounted how, while campaigning for a seat in the Provincial House of Commons, many people would say to her, well, we like you, but we don't like the Premier, the leader of your party. The Premier they were referring to was Kathleen Wynne. When Kate asked them why they did not like Wynne, nearly 98% of the responses were, well, I just don't like her face, or I just don't like the way she looks. Nothing about policy or performance. Unfortunately, research shows that this is often the kind of baseless and trivial criticism that many female leaders contend with every day. Sadly, these attitudes have permeated the church for centuries and still find expression in the more conservative denominations of the faith, and I hate to say it still, within our own denomination from time to time. This is surprising, given that Jesus himself was something of a revolutionary when it came to his dealings with women. As New Testament scholar Leonard Swidler notes, Jesus often used women in his stories and sayings, which was highly unusual among rabbis of his day. The images he used were always positive, in stark contrast to many of his predecessors. His images of women were often exalted in nature, at times being associated with the reign of heaven. In Jesus' teaching, he often made a point of telling 
two similar stories or using two images, one with a woman and one with a man. He wanted people to understand that unlike previous rabbis, his message was intended for all people, for women and men equally. Jesus often interacted with women and even taught them the scriptures, something that other rabbis did not do in his day. And by the way, you will want to be certain to check out Reverend Ann Corbett's poignant message about Mary of Bethany, who anointed Jesus' feet with precious ointment not long before his death. You can watch this on our Siloam website this coming Sunday or on Rogers TV. According to the Talmud, included in daily prayers that were recited by all good faithful Jews, were these words. Praised be to God that he has not created me a Gentile. Praised be to God that he has not created me a woman. Praised be to God that he has not created me an ignorant man. In Jesus' day, women were restricted in public prayers. At the temple, they were confined to the women's court, and in synagogues, they were required to worship from behind a screen, separated from their fathers, brothers, husbands, and sons. They were not allowed to read aloud or take any leading function in worship services. Girls were not permitted to go to school, and they were not taught the scriptures as their brothers were. They were not allowed to bear witness or testify in a court of law. They could not divorce their husbands, although men could easily divorce their wives. Women could not speak in public or eat with men other than their husbands. They were considered to be ritually unclean during their monthly period and after childbirth. In these and many other ways, women were discriminated against in first century Palestine and in the Greco-Roman world generally. The Greeks and Romans unlike the Jews, even practiced female infanticide. This is why it is so interesting that at all key points in the gospel narratives, death, burial, and resurrection, the tradition goes back to women because they were the only followers there at the time. One famous biblical scholar has even suggested that Priscilla is the author of the New Testament letter to the Hebrews. Certainly, there is strong evidence to indicate that Jesus taught women the scriptures and that he had numerous women disciples, some who, like Mary of Bethany and Martha of Bethany and Mary of Magdala, even headed up early house churches. Jesus' unconventional treatment of and attitude towards women was striking. As Janice Nanali Cox writes, Jesus broke the mold, touching the unclean, healing the crippled, teaching the curious, speaking to, forgiving, and loving the unsung and unknown, the women of Judaism. Indeed, as Hannah Wolf argues, Jesus was the only fully integrated man, meaning that he brought to maturity the masculine and feminine attitudes found in any human being. New Testament scholar Elizabeth Moltmann Vendel writes, This does not mean that he was any less the Son of God, but rather that something new was happening with Jesus, 
something which opened up new patterns of behavior, even as it opened up new and emancipating attitudes toward the poor, the oppressed, the sick, the foreigner, and the sinner. Even in the genuinely Pauline letters, we find new attitudes and new respect for women. But in the later pseudo-letters falsely attributed to Paul and authors, other authors in the New Testament, the Bible returns to a view of women more consistent with older understandings of women as being their husband's personal property, deeply flawed and destined to be burdened forever by the so-called sin of Eve. Without Jesus, the scriptures which found their final form many decades after him take on the worldview of a predominantly patriarchal culture. While it is true that we have come a long way from the culture of the first century and that women, at least in the West, have seen many positive gains since, we still have a long way to go to fulfill the teachings of Jesus. And this is whether we are talking about women, people of color, those who are economically or otherwise oppressed, and the LGBTQ, as well as those who are differently abled. But as we continue to tell the stories of Jesus, our words will have a liberating influence on others as well, not just women, whom Jesus loved and treated with great respect and dignity. That's it for today, friends. Next week, we will look more closely at some of the women around Jesus. Until then, stay well and safe.